Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your engine! For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1102 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always. And man, we got a lot to talk about this morning. We've got a crazy Daytona 500 to talk about here on this edition of Fast Track. And we're going to be doing that here throughout this opening segment. We've got open phone lines. In fact, this whole hour just for you at 803-0551-888-552-550. Your thoughts on last Monday's uh, Daytona 500 after it was postponed by rain. After the race got about 20 laps in on Sunday, rains came and they did not stop long enough for the track to get dry to resume the race on Sunday. And we had a Monday afternoon, early evening race that saw Denny Hamlin go to victory in the Great American Race for the third time in his career and second year in a row that Denny Hamlin hoisting the Harley Earl Trophy in victory lane to Daytona. And on top of that, we had a scary crash involving Ryan Newman, which sent him to the hospital that he walked out of just uh, two days later in a Amazing story that has been this week that has kind of taken over the spotlight in the sport. But again, eight, phones are open here at 803-0551-888-550-2550. You can also send us your tweets at Fast Track 550 and uh, Facebook.com slash WGR Fast Track. Uh, before we get into to Daytona, this this David Ayers thing with the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the the Toronto Maple Leafs last night with the the Hurricanes having to get their emergency backup goaltender in net playing half the game and beating the Leafs, I was trying to think of a, a racing equivalent to it, and I don't know if it would be possible, but it'd be like you know Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick getting sick. Or, sick on race weekend or getting injured during the weekend and not being able to start the race and instead of you know bringing in some Xfinity or truck series driver to fill in they they go in the grandstands and find some late mile driver or legends car driver to fill in uh and an an older one too not just some kid but you know like a 42 year old retired late model driver to fill in for them in a cup race I'm sure there's some example of that in racing history, but uh, that was just a crazy story last night in sports, uh, just following along with that last night with uh, David Ayers becoming a uh, hockey legend, helping the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Toronto Maple Leafs last night as the emergency backup goaltender. 
Uh, yeah. So I, whenever a story like that comes up, I always try and run through my head what what would a NASCAR or motorsports equivalent be. I think we did this exercise last year when Andrew Luck retired or something out of nowhere. Uh, so uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff last night. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. But let's start with, with Daytona. And Denny Hamlin proved me wrong last Monday, or this past Monday, I should say. Uh, I've been saying, I don't know, for the last few years that Joey Logano is the best restrictor plate, or excuse me, we can't say that anymore because they don't have restrictor plate, super speedway driver, uh, tapered spacer driver in in NASCAR. And you know, I, thought I thought I was pretty somewhat right on that, but I am wrong. Denny Hamlin has proved me wrong on that fact because now I believe that he is the best super speedway driver in NASCAR. And I will, for one fact alone, one thing he said in an interview I heard with Denny after the race uh, on Tuesday morning, uh, he said... The, uh, talking about the last lap and uh, the the whole interview itself was kind of funny. The first half of the interview was kind of funny because uh, Denny was trying to describe racing the last lap with Ryan Newman and Ryan Blaney. And he kept calling both guys Ryan. He just would refer to him as Ryan. So it was like, Ryan this, Ryan that. And I think halfway through the interview, he realized that what he was doing and it was so confusing. And finally, he started referring to them by their last name. But I digress. But what sewed it up for me with now anointing Denny as the best super speedway driver in the sport is the fact that on the last lap going down the back straightaway, instead of blocking uh, Newman and uh, Blaney as Blaney was pushing Newman past him down the back straightaway, Denny said he let them go by on purpose, knowing he could get back to them uh, before they got back to the checkered flag. And that is just the smartest thing you could have done uh, in that aspect instead of trying to block and he said if he had blocked them he probably would have wrecked all three of them and instead he let him go by and uh, he wound up winning the race for it because he was smart enough to know that with these cars now that you don't need you didn't need to block them and he was going to be able to get a run uh to go by and by the time they got back to start finishing i just thought that was such an intelligent thing for him to say uh and really shows how smart he is behind the wheel especially in super speedway racing and i was just completely impressed uh, to hear that that went through his mind on that last lap, and because it has changed, um, just with the new aero package for the plates, uh, the the blocking, while still the predominant strategy in super speedway racing, is not the right way to go anymore. I, the the bubble of air around these cars has kind of gone away, and now the uh, a pursuing car or a car coming up along the side can pass the leader because that that bubble of air around them is not as predominant as it used to be. And it seems like the strategy is almost going back to the the tandem racing strategy where one car can push another car just on its own almost uh, to the front of the field. You don't even need a line of cars. You just need one uh, pusher and one guy to get pushed. And uh, pro- problem is with that, as is, is much as it makes for interesting racing, it's also we saw how many wrecks it leads to with pushing because – when these cars don't line up just right or they push at the wrong moment on the racetrack, uh, it leads to disaster. And we got that on the uh, last lap of the Daytona 500 on Monday night when Ryan Blaney pushed Ryan Newman. And Ryan Newman's car spun, bounced off the wall, got airborne, and got hit in air by Corey LaJoy's car. And then went sliding on its roof until it finally came to a stop with fuel rushing out of its fuel cell, which thankfully did not catch fire. And then Ryan Newman had to be extricated from his car and taken to a hospital and thankfully walked out of that hospital, I don't know, 36 hours later or so. The whole thing is remarkable. Um, 
but also the whole situation has left me with a lot of questions. And I think we're going to get some answers to those questions today because Steve Newmark from Roush Fenway Racing is going to address the media this afternoon in Las Vegas. Uh, unfortunately, I was hoping he was going to do it during this hour because I would have run, run that live. But it's coming up at 1245 this afternoon, Eastern Time, 845 uh, out in Vegas. Uh, so we'll we'll have so if you uh, know where to find those things, you know, keep that on your radar. If you're interested to hear what he has to say, that's coming up at 1245. Actually, I think you go to uh, NASCAR.com slash press pass. Uh, I think they stream all the press conferences from the media center on race weekend. So you might be able to watch it live there, uh, let alone just, you know, follow the right people on Twitter and you'll get a word for word. Uh, blow by blow, word for word, uh, uh, play by play of what's going on in that press conference. But that's coming up at 1245. So I think we're going to get some of these questions I have this morning that I've had since, uh, I don't know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But, you know, people were touting it as miraculous that, you know, Ryan has walked out of the hospital virtually unscratched to the casual viewer that, to anyone that doesn't know the uh, inside information on what exactly was wrong with Ryan Newman. He walked out of there, you know, no, no, uh, you know, no, uh, no, um, no, he's not black and blue. He doesn't have a cast on anywhere. Didn't appear he was limping at all when he walked out of the hospital with no shoes on, funnily. Uh, kind of funny aspect to that. Um, and it just left me with so many questions. You know, I, I, I don't want to call it a miracle because we don't know how bad he was hurt. And, uh, it was a miracle, though, that he could survive an incident like that, an accident like that, especially when he got hit in the roof of the car when he rebounded into Corey LaJoy's car. Um, as I told Bulldog uh, on the station, what was it, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, you know, when he got hit in the roof by the Le- by LaJoy, I thought the worst. And, and so did a lot of other people, obviously, anybody watching that. Heck, Jeff Gordon, Mike Joy made it sound like we were expecting the worst news out of that incident on Monday, um, but that impact alone usually can spell disaster for a driver to get hit in the in the, in the the roof and in the driver's side window and everything. Um, so we were all expecting the worst, and then we finally got word late Monday that it was, you know, serious but non-life-threatening injuries. And that was kind of the, you know, the first sign that, you know, he was going to be okay without them saying too much more than that. It was, there was still, you know, a lot of speculation or still just a lot of concern because you still saw what happened in that crash. But really, if you looked at just the hard facts that they would presented us that, you know, serious, a serious condition can mean a lot of things. They didn't get too, too detailed into what, that, what was wrong with them, you know, and then the next day, you know, we had word that he was talking and speaking to doctors and family. And then early Wednesday, we had the photo with him and his daughters. And then by Wednesday evening, you know, he had walked out of the, the hospital but the fact that there was so much drama surrounding this, um, you know, without a lot of information, I guess, made it seem worse than it really was. You know, the coverage about it, uh, social media, um, you know, people's just imagination maybe running away with them. You know, it just the way it played out was similar to when other drivers have passed away. But the fact that he walked away from it is great news. But I just I need some more blanks filled in, you know, to really appreciate uh, what went down um, on Monday with uh, with Ryan Newman there in Daytona. Obviously, um, you know, the safety equipment inside those race cars, it appears, did their job, um, and the safety crews, um, and you'll you'll kind of get 
a little more detail into how that all went down in our next segment when uh, we play some comments from Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR, kind of laying out what happened uh, minute by minute almost in the response to the accident. But the, the safety crews and the, the trauma doctors and the EMTs and everybody that was part of the effort to uh, get Air, uh, Ryan out of the car as quickly as possible, cutting the cutting the the, root, the cage of the car and everything to get him out. You know, the response was phenomenal. But uh, I just would have, I think just a little bit more updates throughout the situation would have maybe made people feel a little bit better. Because again, we all thought we just watched him die on national television. And uh, the fact that we didn't get as many updates as we did, and, and I understand, you know, HIPAA regulations are so much more strict now than, than they have in years past, but it just seems like if they had just given us just a tiny bit more, I mean, we get updates in other sports, upper body, lower body, you know, concussion protocol. We just, just let us know that he's alert and talking maybe in that, in those, you know, moments uh, between Monday night and Tuesday morning, just give us a little bit more detail, I think would, would, would have calmed down the situation and um, made everybody feel a little bit better about Ryan's chances uh, during those first few hours, I think what went a went a long way to just uh, making everybody feel a little bit better because again, we all thought he died on TV. So again, a lot of questions, and I think we're going to get some answers on those questions. I'm a little bit more on what happened to Ryan in those moments. You know, was he knocked unconscious? What exactly was the issue outside of getting him out of the car safely upside down, uh, which was you know a huge part of that as well too when a, when a car is upside down you can't just take your seat belts off because then you fall out of the seat and you could break your neck and that has happened to a ra- to some race car drivers in the past so there was that aspect you know but once they car- got the car right side up was it just the damage was too much for ryan to safely get himself out of the car that's why they cut the roof or was he unconscious was he in some kind of medical emergency that required you know uh for them to perform procedures on on him right there in the car you know i would just like a little more information but again the best news was him walking out of the hospital two days later um pretty pretty amazing situation all around uh 803-0551-888-552-550 so fortunately newman or fortunately newman is okay but unfortunately a scary wreck also had to feel horrible for ryan blaney and Corey lajoy in those hours after that you know ryan the one that was pushing him to the finish and uh, is the one that caused him to spin. And then Corey LaJoy, you know, hitting him in the roof of the car like that. Uh, he obviously could do nothing. It, it happened so quickly, couldn't react. Uh, and then there was the picture of Corey coming out of the car and on his knees after he got out of his car. And he said he had the wind knocked out of him and was just kind of spent after the whole thing. And props to Corey LaJoy, who went on national television the next morning. He was on Good Morning America talking about. I could not believe that. Uh, I know these guys did interviews, you know, after the race, but that was in the the NASCAR media bubble, you know, where they're probably a little bit more protected than going outside, you know, away from the track and talking to non-NASCAR national media. And it's, yes, it's Good Morning America, you know, obviously not that hard-hitting of journalism, but still impressive that Corey was willing to get up so quickly the following morning and want to go on live national television and face questions from non-NASCAR media. I found it very, thought that was very brave of him. Uh, had I been in that situation, I don't know if I could have got out of bed the next morning with no, possibly, you know, not knowing much more about Ryan's condition in those hours after the accident. 
Uh, I couldn't believe that he was on national TV the next morning to talk about it, but that, that was huge to him. And, and thankfully for those guys, too, uh, had Ryan either perished or suffered some serious injuries, the, the, the guilt and the weight they would have on their shoulders from that. Obviously, it's racing. It wasn't done on purpose or anything, but still, knowing that you were a part of it, I, I'm sure the, the weight on them would have been immense and just having to you know, continue driving and just continue living this this last week with all that uh thankfully they i'm sure have found some relief and I, i'm sure they've talked i i know i think ryan blaney put on t- uh, social media that he has spoken to newman i'm sure Corey as well uh has they've both probably spoken to ryan since he's been released from the hospital but uh th- those those two young men what they ex- experienced in those those few hours before they knew what his condition was i'm sure was uh, anguishing for them uh Outside of the end of the race on Monday night, it was your typical super speedway race. You know, it was entertaining, uh, side-by-side racing, uh, guys, you know, kind of different strategies playing out. You'd see the intensity pick up a little bit towards the ends of the stages. Uh, you had the Gibbs cars kind of just hanging out at the back of the field for most of the, for the first stage and almost all of the, and some of the second stage as well too, before the pit cycled around, put them back in the front of the field. And that's when the Gibbs cars kind of got involved, uh, in the show there towards the end of the second stage. Um, and then, you know, the final segment getting them set up and then with about, you know, 30 to go, you know, of course, everybody turns it up a notch and that's when we started seeing all those big wrecks and we had, you know, two, three, you know, major pileups there within those last 30 laps and even trying to come to the first green flag in the overtime. And you had uh, Clint Boyer getting tangled up, uh, taking him a little bit out of contention, sliding through the grass. You know, it was your typical super speedway race, but uh, interesting stuff. I thought there was uh, – I was excited for the finish because there was a little bit better um, – you know, it wasn't – as random as super speedway racing is, uh, there was still some interesting names at the front of the field there towards the end of the race. Uh, you had, you know, Newman and Blaney in there and you had Chase Elliott and Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick. And there was just, you know, it wasn't one of those random ones like in 2018 when we had Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace racing for the win with Eric Almarola. You know, we still had some big names racing for the win despite everything that had happened. And, uh, you know, a lot of good stories we could have got out of it. And uh, Denny, uh, again, showed why he proved me wrong. And he is, it's not Joey Logano, but he is the best uh, restrictor plate racer, or super speedway racer in, in NASCAR, uh, as he found a way. I mean, we had a, the one, one of the calls we took here last week asking about the Toyota's chances. And I really discounted those chances because there's only five Toyotas in the field. And there Denny was, you know, the rest of his teammates had been knocked out or received damage at some point, you know, Kyle Busch blowing an engine while leading. He was the last Toyota running there at the end, and he found a way uh, with his uh, talent behind the wheel to uh, get it to victory lane for a third Daytona 500 win and puts him in elite company. You know, I think there's only three other drivers with three wins and only about a, five or six drivers that have three or more wins, uh, you know, to go along with, of course, Richard Petty, seven wins in the Daytona 500 and some of the other drivers that have won it on multiple times, guys like Bobby Allison and uh, Jeff Gordon that have you know won the Daytona 500 on multiple occasions. This really puts him in uh, in a in a new uh, a new group of drivers. I think you know Denny has now kind of cemented his place in the history of this sport. 
even without a championship, you know, he is, a, uh, I think, a guaranteed Hall of Fame driver now with this third Daytona 500 win. Uh, very impressive, and now all he needs now is really to go chase that championship. And I said it on the show here last week that Denny was going to be uh, my pick to win the championship this year. I think he'll he'll go back to the Final Four this year along with Kyle Busch uh, as the two Toyotas in the Final Four, and he will definitely, uh, I think he'll be one hoisting the trophy in Phoenix Excuse me. In in November, and uh, he'll he'll add that championship to his uh, resume now with those three Daytona 500 wins. Uh, 803-0551, 888-552-550. On the flip side of that, I mentioned Kyle Busch is Joe Gibbs Racing teammate. Kyle now uh, adds to his legend as Denny added to his legend with another Daytona 500 win. The legend of Kyle Busch who is a two-time and defending series champion, now is moving into that echelon of drivers that is chasing an elusive Daytona 500 win. He joins the names like Earnhardt and Waltrip and Stewart that spent the latter part of their career chasing the Daytona 500 victory and having to answer all those questions about, will this be your year? Kyle is now in that that stage of his career, as, as young as he is, uh, he is now 0 for 15 in the Daytona 500 and looked like he was going to have a shot there on Sunday. He was leading, and of all the things that happened, it wasn't being crashed out of the race, you know, block, you know, getting caught up in a wreck while blocking for the lead. The engine just blew up, which, you know, is such a rarity in this sport these days. Mechanical failures like that do not happen on the level like they used to uh, 20, 30 years ago. So, for a blown engine to take Kyle out of the Daytona 500 just now adds to that legend of Kyle Busch in this race. And he is now going to be that guy that every February, that's going to be a storyline. Will this be the year for Kyle Busch? And there's a couple other guys in that group. We talked about it last week with Tim Hackman on the show. Uh, Clint Boyer, yeah, Clint Boyer, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Truex, who is also, I think, 0 for 15 or 0 for 16 in the Daytona 500. Those, All those guys are in that group. But now I think, with Kyle's pedigree and everything else he's done in this sport, you know, over 200 wins combined in the three national touring series of NASCAR, two-time NASCAR champion and everything, he is now the the last thing to add to his uh, career mantle is a Daytona 500 victory. So that legend grew just that much larger, I think because of the fact that it was an engine failure and not just another super speedway crash, um, you know, the fact that it was a blown engine at, you know, just that the legend grows, you know, it's like Dale Earnhardt in 1990 had a shot to win it. And he cut a tire that allowed Derek Cope to win the race kind of in the same vein as that, uh, you know, just fluke things that happen to you along the way before you eventually possibly get to that goal of winning the race. Um, this, this is that, that, the, that blown motor for Kyle, uh, it's kind of the, the, this, that chapter of his story there uh, last, last, on Monday night uh, while leading the race uh, and took him out, and uh, he finished 34th. Uh, Denny getting the win. Ryan Blaney finishing second. Chris Buescher, good run uh, in his uh, Roush Fenway debut in third. David Reagan fourth. Kevin Harvick thought maybe he would uh, play in there a little bit more at the end, but he finishes fifth. Clint Boyer sixth. Brendan Gaughan uh, finishing in seventh. You know, one of those guys just fortunate to be there at the end. Corey LaJoy wound up eighth after everything. Ryan Newman finished ninth officially after his crash, and Kyle Larson rounded out the top ten. Um, you know, Chase Elliott uh, finishing in 17th. They thought maybe he would get up there at the end, but he got spun 
uh, just after they took the white flag on Monday night. And uh, you'll hear in the next segment, we hear from Steve O'Donnell from NASCAR, the chief racing development officer. There was some talk, you know, why didn't NASCAR put out the caution when Elliott spun there and going into turn one that, you know, potentially would have, obviously, if they'd thrown the caution there, the Newman crash would have never happened. But, you know, I, I think NASCAR made the right call there. Um, by not putting out the caution for the Elliott spin, uh, it looked like just from what we saw it on TV that it wasn't a serious crash. Uh, it seemed like everybody had driven away. There was no debris. You know, the field could get back around to the start finish line without injury, uh, without, you know, w- without anything bad happening to them because of that crash. And there was no driver in, involved in the Elliott incident that needed, you know, attention immediately, that they needed to get safety crews on the track uh, immediately. So I thought it was the right call. Uh, letting him race back to the finish line, you know, even if they put the caution out for Elliott and ended the race there, you know, yes, it would have prevented the Newman accident, but um, to blame NASCAR for it, I I think is silly um, because, you know, it could have worked out any number of ways where you'd get a similar accident, no matter what you you tried to do. Um, But I'm glad they let, they let him race back to the finish line, even with the Newman crash. Um, you know, I, I think that's the right call. Obviously, if there was a safety issue from that crash, then yeah, they, they could put it out. But if everybody had driven away from the incident and there was no immediate danger to the drivers on the track, then let them race it out. There's no worse way to end the race than under caution. I mean, obviously, that, that used to happen uh, 15, 20 years ago before the rule changes were put in place that gave us, you know, overtime racing and everything. But I still think that's the better way to finish the race. So uh, I was with NASCAR on, you know, letting him run back to the finish line. And uh, unfortunately, Elliott not getting the win and, uh, you know, finishing mid-pack there in 17th. I thought he was going to, I thought he'd be the one there to pull it off at the end. But uh, just was not as fast. You know, the, the Chevy cars were a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, the Fords were still the uh, the dominant, you know, make uh, of uh, speed weeks down there uh, on Monday. But uh, that was the one I was kind of pulling for there in those last couple of laps. All right, we're up against the break. Uh, 803-0551, 888 We come back. We're going to play some of the comments from this weekend in Las Vegas from Steve O'Donnell and some other folks from NASCAR talking more about the Ryan Newman crash. That's coming up next here on Fast Track. Hi, this is Kyle Busch, driver of the number 18 M&M's Toyota. And you're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Kyle Busch going for his third win of the week, by the way, today in Las Vegas. Yes, there is a race today. Kyle Busch uh, was supposed to start on the pole for today's race because qualifying was rained out and the field was set by last year's owner owner's points, which would have put Kyle on the pole. However, he and two other Toyota cars are going to the rear of the field for uh, penalties. Uh, they were monkeying around with the nose of the cars on their Toyota Camrys, and uh, he... Uh, is going to the rear of the field. So is Denny Hamlin, and so is uh, Christopher Bell in the Levine family racing number 95. They're all going to the rear of the field for today's race. They lose 10 points. Uh, Also, Martin Truex uh, receiving some penalties, but he'll keep his uh, starting spot. So he'll line up on the front row alongside Kevin Harvick, who will move on to the front row with Kyle Busch falling to the rear of the field for today's Pennzoil 400, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That gets going at 3.30 this afternoon. Kyle Busch has already won in Las Vegas. A late model race on Thursday night at the short track there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which is the short track that Kyle grew up at, uh, racing Legends cars. He won the truck race on Friday night, no surprise there. Uh, Stuart Friesen finishing in the top 10, uh, and now we'll try and win the cup race. The Xfinity race yesterday 
uh, got started, but they did not finish. And they're actually going to finish the Xfinity race after the Cup race today, and that is going to be about 7.30 tonight, Eastern Time. That'll be on uh, FS2 if you want to watch that after the Cup race today, uh, the Xfinity Series uh, conclusion to their race. But one funny thing coming out of Kyle's win in the truck race on Friday night, and Kyle is... I think undefeated now in the last two, three years when he runs the truck series, he can run like five, I think it's five races a year in the series. Uh, Kevin Harvick put up on Twitter, after the, put up a challenge uh, for any other full-time cup driver. If they can get a truck ride and beat Kyle Busch head-to-head in a truck race, uh, he'll give them $50,000. And then Marcus Lamonis, who is the CEO of Gander Outdoor, which sponsors the truck series, uh, he's going to chip in an additional 50000 So hundred k up for grabs if a full-time cup driver can beat Kyle Busch in, his, uh, in a truck race this year. I think Kyle is doing... Th- He's got four more scheduled, I think, and they're all three of those are coming up in the month of March. Uh, uh, so I'm sh- we'll see if any full time cup drivers are, are scrambling to find a truck ride uh, to, to uh, try and challenge Kyle and his uh, very impressive KBM team. All right, we're going to go back to earlier this weekend in Las Vegas. Actually, this was yesterday, I believe, in the media center uh, and to get a little more insight in what happened to the response to Ryan Newman's crash on Monday. Um, it, there's no updates on his injuries or his prognosis or anything. Uh, Obviously, we do know that Ryan is home resting. He will not race today. Uh, Ross Chastain has been uh, hired by Roush Fenway Racing to fill in for Ryan today. We don't know when he's going to return. But this is more about the response to the crash from NASCAR's aspect. So this is going to be Steve O'Donnell, who's the uh, Executive Vice President and Chief Racing Development Officer. Uh, You may also hear, depending on time, uh, John Bobo, who is a Vice President of Racing Operations for NASCAR, and Dr. Uh, John Padalek, who is the Senior Director of Safety Engineering for NASCAR. So these are their comments uh, from yesterday at Las Vegas. First, I want to start off by saying you know, how thankful we all are to see Ryan Newman walk out of the the uh, hospital in Daytona Beach. Um, we continue to, to work with not only Ryan, but his family and his race team as he continues his recovery, and we'll certainly be with him every step of the way. Um, You've heard us say this many times, that safety is our, our primary responsibility and priority, and, and that you're going to hear more of that today as well. So a couple, there we go. A couple guidelines um, for what we're going to share with you today. I know a lot of the folks in this room want to hear. I know a lot of the folks in this room will want to hear as many details as possible, um, but today we're only going to outline the procedures and processes we have in place that take place uh, in training, um, what we can recap in terms of a timeline of what took place at the scene, and then the investigation process, what the details will be as we roll through this uh, and give it back to you with more. There's several areas we're not going to touch on today um, as our review continues and also that the HIPAA laws that are in effect as well. So we cannot and we will not talk about anything that details the medical response uh, that may disclose Ryan's personal and protected medical information. So to start off, I want to say thank you to a few folks, and that's the AMR safety team, uh, the folks that work together with them at Advent Health, Halifax Hospital, the Daytona Beach Police Department, and certainly the folks at Daytona International Speedway all working together uh, in this incident. So what we want to provide today is a brief overview of the last slap accident. I want to look at both the medical capabilities that were involved and also the safety systems that were involved. So 
Dr. John Padillac is going to lead this for us. Um, he'll explain a little bit more about the process and then give a complete review once we have all our findings in place. So I want to give you a brief chronological report of what took place and the key actions that took place. So the tool truck arrived at the vehicle 19 seconds after it came to rest. Uh, the fireman that you saw with the extinguisher was in that vehicle. One of the three trauma doctors assigned to the safety team for the race arrived at the car at the 33 second mark and a paramedic entered the vehicle at the 35 second mark. For the next three and a half minutes, two doctors and paramedics attended to Ryan and at the 405 mark, the decision was then made to roll the car over while continuing to help aid the driver. At the 656 mark, the car was upright the extrication team then began cutting the car and a doctor continued to provide treatment. The roof was removed at the 1110 mark and the extrication was completed at 1540 and the driver was then moved to the ambulance for transport. During this entire time, doctors and paramedics were attending to Ryan except at the moment of the car rollover. Working in unison and performing their respective jobs, the first responders perform their jobs as they were trained. The training systems, the safety systems, all worked as were designed, but again, never satisfied with what took place, and we'll learn as much as possible and implement those changes if there are any as soon as we can. So I want to hand it over to John Bobo, who will walk you through the training that goes into each event from both a logistics and medical standpoint, and then Dr. Padillac will speak as well. Thanks, Steve. You know, I want to talk about two important uh, parts of this, which is our first response training and our medical procedures and policies. You know, training is a full season unto itself at NASCAR. Before the green flag drops, there's so much that we do each and every week. We are rehearsing and training weekly to create that operational muscle memory uh, for times of crisis. About two months out before each event, we work with our local track partners to conduct trainings that include online, classroom, and hands-on training. The courses cover anything from cleanup, restoration, extraction, and rollover. Uh, every single person working at the track in the safety capacity has to go through that training. On the medical side, we have the NASCAR AMR safety team. It's a team of emergency paramedics, physicians, and neurologists who provide a level of service that's, that's just phenomenal. Uh, to date, uh, over the last three years, they've worked 115 cup races and have come to know our competitors well. Another key component to our safety is our local medical and emergency professionals and our relationship with them. We work with our track partners and fully embrace local and medical emergency care. We have learned through the years that these local professionals are a gateway into the highest levels of care and expertise. And that's why we take the time before each race to tour trauma centers to get to know folks at the local level as we can do that. So you put all this together and what you've got is a collaboration of professionals working in concert through the years based on mutual respect and dedication to a singular mission. Now uh, John Padillac will talk about some of the safety enhancements uh, through the investigation. Thanks John. Uh, good morning. Regarding NASCAR crash investigation, uh, that begins for us at the racetrack. Um, anytime there's an incident on the track, whether the vehicle is uh, towed or driven back into the garage area, the NASCAR safety officials uh, go to that car and begin the investigation. That typically starts with pictures being taken around the exterior of the vehicle and then also moving to the interior, 
looking at the driver restraint system, removing the IDR, which is our incident data recorder, and the high-speed camera in the CUP series. All of that information comes back and begins to populate an incident report, which is housed in our NASCAR crash database. That process was followed for the 6 and 32 cars at Daytona, as well as all the other cars involved in incidents uh, that week. Uh, in the case of the 6 and 32 cars, those, those vehicles were then transported back to the NASCAR Research and Development Center in Concord, North Carolina uh, for further investigation. Uh, on Tuesday, that started with the laying out of the vehicles in a secure space um, where we have all of the components and associated elements that came from the cars and on the race, racetrack, as well as the driver's safety equipment. Uh, we began to document all of that uh, all of those parts and pieces, all of that equipment, really starting from the outside of the vehicles, slowly working our way in and assessing each of the individual safety systems and how they performed individually as well as together as a complete assembly, and then ultimately how the two cars interacted together during the crash. We have many uh, sources of data that we're pulling from in the investigation. As I mentioned, those include the IDR, the high-speed camera, we're also looking at the ECU data, uh, available telemetry data from the vehicles, and broadcast and non-broadcast video sources. We're currently working on synchronizing all of those data sets together in time. So with the video, that's looking at each video on a frame-by-frame -frame basis, lining those up together in time to create a full picture of what happened as the crash unfolded. Uh, we're working together with Roush Fenway Racing as well as outside experts as we continue to investigate and look forward to being able to provide more information at some time soon. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we're now turn it over to media questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand and we'll get a mic to you. Uh, and we'll start right here with Jeff and then we'll go to Claire. Jeff Gluck from The Athletic. I'm curious about the paramedic um, who went into the car. Is that a standard practice um, to have somebody go inside the car in, in a crash like that? Yeah, we will get someone inside the car as quickly as we can. And I think it's important to also note the, you know, surroundings of that car with, you know, there were a lot of, lot of things going on and would applaud the paramedic for, for doing their job and getting in right away. And that's always our first move, uh, first person on the scene who then works with the doctors. Claire. Claire B. Lang, XM NASCAR Radio. There were obviously many conversations with the drivers yesterday and they were talking about the safety of the cars which they feel really good about but always NASCAR looking forward some of the taller drivers the Joey Logano's the Austin Sindrick's moving forward is that kind of an area that you're looking at well I, I think um, as we look at all those in the next-gen vehicle we're certainly always looking for ways to make improvements and we have a good opportunity to do that with the next-gen and we'll look at our current car as well as this investigation unfolds and look at any opportunities for improvement. Go to Lee and then Bob. Lee Spencer, RacingVoice.com. Just wondering, John, um, as far as the reinforcement bar, there's been a lot of talk about the Newman bar this week. And just wondering, you know, the reinforcement um, of the window because, you know, the drivers really fear getting hit after, you know, it's not so much going over, but it's the secondary, you know, things that can happen. How instrumental, you know, has the reinforcement of the cockpit over the last two decades been in, in ensuring that the drivers do eventually walk away? 
So when we, when we look at the cars and look back at what we've been able to do with the cars as an industry, uh, we've been able to make improvements, the one you've referenced in 2013 with the additional roll bars in the roof and the windshield area. Uh, we were also able to do things um, in the, with the laminate windshield in 2013 and improved window net mounting in 2013. And um, all of those things really contribute and work together as an assembly to improve the overall outcomes uh, to what we saw in Daytona. And so I think each one um, contributes in its own way for both of those vehicles involved. I, I think just to add to that, John, John and I were talking earlier about you know, the fact that Ryan Newman was involved in this accident with his engineering background has been someone who we have turned to in many times talking about safety enhancements. One of the reasons you won't hear as many details today is, you know, we still haven't had the chance to, to go through this with Ryan and his team, with the other drivers in the garage, but Ryan's feedback um, as we go through this will be key, and I think that'll be a key component as it's always been uh, throughout the process when he's been racing. There is, again, Steve O'Donnell, uh, John Bobo and Dr. John P Padalek, excuse me, from uh, yesterday in Las Vegas from NASCAR talking about their response to the injury. And a good point there at the end, talk about Ryan Newman and uh, his involvement in safety in NASCAR as a driver. He's long been a proponent of improving the safety of these cars. You, you heard the reference there to the Newman bar, which is uh, part of the roll cage that goes uh, towards the top of the windshield area of the car. Uh, Ryan has a... Uh, checkered past when it comes to crashing in restrictor plate races. Ryan has been involved on his own in several flips in uh, NASCAR stock cars at restrictor, uh, super speedway tracks in the last decade, uh, going back as far as 2009, 2013. He has also been an innocent bystander having other cars flipping that have landed on his car, most notably the Carl Edwards rack at Talladega when Carl got into the fence and landed on Newman's car. So uh, Ryan has been at the forefront of the issue of safety at super speedway racing throughout his career. He's been a, a vocal proponent of making the car safer and does have an engineering background, which allows him to uh, give a lot of valuable input. And he has given it throughout his career to NASCAR on how to make the car safer. So it'll be interesting as Steve O'Donnell mentioned, once they talk to Ryan about what else can be done, you know, obviously we're getting the new car next year, the next gen car. Can they add anything that they haven't added already into this new car that is coming next year? Uh, just from this incident, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and uh, what Ryan has to say when he uh, makes his uh, first public comments, waiting to hear from Ryan. Uh, he has not spoken, obviously, to the media since the wreck, and uh, maybe he'll do it next weekend in uh, California or if he's waiting for the right time to respond. And again, we will hear more from Rush Fenway Racing at 1245 this afternoon Eastern, which could give us further update on what if any, injuries Ryan Newman sustained in that wreck and exactly what the Roush Family organization, is, is uh, their plans are uh, here in the short term with uh, how long Ryan may be out of the car and who will continue to drive it going forward. As I said, Ross Chastain has been hired to drive it for today, at least at Las Vegas. When we come back, we'll wrap up this edition of Fast Track. Uh, we got time for your phone calls now at 803-0551, 888-552-550. When we wrap up Fast Track next here on WGR. Hi, this is Denny Hamlin, driving the number 11 FedEx Toyota, and you're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. There he is, your three-time Daytona 500 winner. Again, man, just the smartness, the, the intelligence to not block there on the back straightaway on the last lap and uh, allowed them to go by and still manage to pull off the win. Impressive run for Denny. Third Daytona 500 win and really missing Newman by, I don't know, inches. 
when Newman spun, he went right across the nose of the 11 car. Denny just swerved just enough to dodge him. And how about the fact that both of Denny's, two of Denny Hamlin's Daytona 500 wins are the two closest in the race's history, too. Just impressive uh, stats uh, for the driver of the 11 car. And uh, he'll be in action today at Las Vegas. Again, 3.30 this afternoon for today's race at Vegas. Uh, qualifying rained out. Kyle Busch supposed to start on the pole. He'll follow the rear of the field because of a, a violation with the uh, on the nose of the car. So it'll be Kevin Harvick and Mark Truix on the front row for today's race and the Xfinity race coming up after the cup race because that got postponed by rain. Speaking of rain in the desert southwest, not only uh, NASCAR having wet weather issues in Las Vegas, same story for NHRA in Phoenix this weekend. They had... Uh, some rain issues on Friday and Saturday, but they did get their qualifying in for their second race of the season. Uh, Brittany Force, your number one qualifier in Top Fuel, Matt Hagen in Funny Car, and Jed Coughlin in Pro Stock, your number one qualifiers. But they also uh, had some rain issues out there in the desert southwest. But I think all the way around, I think, I think things will be dry uh, today for both events, and uh, they should go on as scheduled. I, I literally, uh, Bob Parker said it was a 99. Uh, or 1% chance of, of rain in the Las Vegas area the, this afternoon, so 99% chance of racing uh, for the NASCAR contingent and probably equally uh, similar forecast down in the uh, Phoenix, Arizona area today. So uh, you've got that as well. Uh, that'll be uh, coming up today on FS1. Uh, eliminations at 9 Eastern tonight if you want to uh, catch up on the NHRA and the uh, Mel Yellow Drag Racing Series. That'll do it for us. We'll be back next Sunday. NASCAR's uh, season rolls on. They, uh, round two of the West Coast Road Trip next weekend at Fontana and the Auto Club Speedway before they head to Phoenix. So we'll talk about you know what happens here in Vegas today. Hopefully a little more Ryan Newman news. As I said, uh, look for that uh, press conference from Steve Newmark at 1245 this afternoon, uh, nascar.com slash press pass, or just you know follow along on Twitter. And hey, who knows, maybe we'll hear from Ryan himself uh, during the week as well too. So we'll continue to monitor that. Feel free to tweet us at Fast Track 550, and we will talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.